0: I've got a feeling that you're going to tear the arse, I'm sure I can use this as an adult show, the arse out of that.
1: about to listen to my eightiesography. Enjoy.
2: Welcome to Aegisography in the second part of the interview with Gary Langan. Some really great stuff here about Art of Noise. And also McCartney, John Lydon being annoying. A lot of rock guitar heroes.
3: Ding <laughs> Sorry, I don't
2: know why I did that. And loads of other stuff. There's also some really interesting um, stuff about a couple of court cases. There's the uh, Art of Noise ZTT one and, and, and later reference to the Spander Ballet court case. Really interesting perspective from Gary on that one. So I don't know why I'm telling you what you're about to listen to anyway. So those American series where they they trail the same bit of footage four times coming up. So anyway, coming up, part two of the Gary Langen interview. Enjoy. Part two, the interview is here now. 1984. Okay, let's go straight to 1984, and you go from being you've gone from being an engineer, mixer, and producer, and now you're an artist with the Art yeah. Boys how did you feel about making that shift
1: it wasn't a shift it was the the, the, the art of noise was a mistake because i had no intention ever i've never thought i'd ever have a band or be in a band what happened was trevor now given this cassette this demo of um oh, actually the thing was close to the edit actually i get confused with those two tracks and um, he'd come back from new york played it out in dark Soteria and it had been a complete a smash and success and all these DJs were coming up to Blackwell saying what the hell is this blah 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 blah. and so he came back and he said to Trevor well whatever you do this is the first thing that that you sign so we signed this deal the three of us and and Paul came up with the name and it was JJ who finally got the name right when when Paul came up with the name it was the art of noises Plural, and it was JJ So, well, let's just call it The Art of Noise. Which is a brilliant name for a band, and then perfect for your band. You know, but they were a band back in the uh, 19th century. Oh, ah, okay. It was an Italian band, and they were, um, it was run by a guy called Russelo, an Italian chap, and he toured Italian villages uh, with this band that would bang things and hit things that you would find on a farm and things like that. And they were called the Art of Noises. And so, we 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 borrowed their name and we changed it a little bit. So, but but yes, it's a great name for what, what we turned out to be.
2: Yeah, it's one of those perfect names where it just matches matches the actual yeah. design brief of the group.
1: So the the band thing, it was it was almost like a hobby because at that time, yeah, we are now in the middle of the eighties. So all three of us are very very busy. I'm doing lots of twelve inch remixes and things like that. JJ's often running programming affair like for various people and Anne is out there doing magnificent arrangements for people. So the band, the art of noise w- was a bit of a hobby. And what happened was that we signed and, uh, well, no, that's not true. This is not, I've got this slightly wrong. So Blackwell comes back, he says he got to sign. So, and it's because Anne got, oh, that's right. So we had a, a couple of, of, of demos and we got Anne down and, and she put, her nickname then became Miss Melody because we would have these odd, odd tracks and, and Anne would come down and put all, all the top line on it. And so then we signed and then uh, we still only had one and a bit tracks. And so obviously the next thing that was said was, you've got to do an album. And it was at that point that I sort of realised, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm an artist. So JJ and I went to work and we put together the rest of the album off. But it wasn't an album, it was an extent. it was like a big 12-inch, the first, first we released. And there was a who-ha as to whether it was an album or it was a 12-inch, we wanted it be called a 12 inch and the powers that be in record company and above like British phonographic whatever they were saying well it breaks it doesn't it's not it's not it's an album and anyway it was a 12 inch and um it was at that point that i realized i was art we were an artist but it was still it was still a bit of a hobby it really started to hit home when we were becoming successful and we were climbing up the charts, and so we would have to go off and do all these radio interviews and magazine interviews and things like that. And it was starting to impact on, on our day jobs. So, wasn't we dear? We, it, it was a bit of a bind being an artist because we. The three of us were actually doing really well with what I call our day jobs. Mm. And it, it, this was now beginning to encroach upon that. And then we had a bust up with ZTT. I think we're gonna we'll, get,
2: we'll get to that because that's a bit later, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, look, I I, I, I had no, no, no dreams, no thoughts, whatever, of, of being an artist, but I, I realised there was a bit of me that was actually quite enjoying it. Like, JJ and I love doing radio interviews. Together, we, we were brilliant at it. We really, really were. And so I, I enjoyed doing, doing things like that. But it, it did get a little bit messy with ZTT a bit later.
2: So was it, I, I take it was a bit of a shock when Close To The Edit got top ten? Yeah. It's a great track, but it's an yeah, instrument. Got- <laughs> you don't expect that to be a big hit, but that's, that's what was great about the 80s. You get tracks like that that, that, that found their place.
1: Yeah, that was, have, you, have you seen that Top Of The Pops?
2: I haven't, no. I've oh, saw God, the
1: video. Can't find it, can't find it. it it's hilarious, it's appalling.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Next on Top of the Pops, a band who have got an you really must listen to. And from it, an excellent single. It's their debut on Top of the Pops, too. We've got them out there in recording studios, which is not easy, but they're here now.
1: It's the iPhone. <laughs> It truly is appalling. OK, so, yeah, we're, we're zooming up the charts, OK? And we yeah. get off the top, we get off the top of the pots. Well, there's a bit of me that's going, I don't quite believe this. <laughs> Here's a programme I'd watch, <coughs> you know, from the age of, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 sort of thing. And now I'm about to appear on it. Um well we had no idea what we were gonna do. Not a clue. Not a clue. The three of us not a clue. So ZTT in their Infinite Wisdom employed a stylist to dress us, which was hilarious. And what we were gonna do was uh oh yeah, so we, we turn up on the top of a pop studio and so there's a there's the three of us set up on this little stage. Or oh, 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 I've got a I, I've got a little console. JJ's got a, a Fairlight, and and and's got another keyboard. None of it is obviously plugged in. And uh, obviously that there's no there's no history to it, so nobody knows what we're going to do. Neither do we. <laughs> so literally, what the director did was got one of the cameras and, and locked it off in the middle of the studio and, and set it and put it on wide angle and literally just locked it off and then hit the playback button. And everybody on, on the top of the box floor production floor, they, they just stood around and watched. There were no cameras and so there was nothing going on. There was one camera looking at us and, and they hit the playback button. And we stood there for three and a bit minutes and did something okay and the track came to an end and um, we're, we're looking at each other and then we look out across the studio floor there are all these production guys all with headsets on and they're all holding their, their head so they've got their hand to one side of their headsets listening to what is going on in the gallery well the gallery is in turmoil now because we are crap <laughs> absolutely rubbish all right and so is I it because
2: what you're doing, or because you weren't doing anything? I mean, what was the? We
1: weren't doing anything, I and mean, what we were doing was rubbish. So it, it was it was double rubbish, if you like. Um, so out of desperation, because this would have been this would have been the Tuesday, and it was recorded. No, this would have been the Wednesday morning, and it's recorded Wednesday. Afternoon and put out Thursdays if I remember correctly. So they, could, there no, they couldn't get anybody else in, so they had to go with us. All right. So I think I've got this right. We were the first band to actually play along to their video, not 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 the record. And, and so to cover their asses, okay, the, the production team went and got the video. And they played the video, and we did absolutely nothing again. And but they could now cut between the video and us on on, on stage, which saved the day. It was um, it was appalling, absolutely appalling. The
2: bits of you in the top of the box performance are the best bits—the bits you actually see. In the...
1: If that's what you want to call them, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the least worst
1: bits, yeah. Yeah, the best of the worst bits, yeah. yeah!
2: So, when you went on the box, did you, like, when it was on TV, did you, like, watch it with everybody you knew at the same time? Like, like or was it something you were just watching on your own because you didn't want to?
1: I, can't, I don't think I watched it, to be honest, Mark. I didn't <laughs> want to see no, it. Okay. I don't think so. I think we all knew it. it well, I, I think I, we all knew it was rubbish. Um, but anyway it, it it didn't it didn't it didn't ruin our careers okay let's put it that way We's, we managed to survive it
2: to be fair, it's hard to do an instrumental on top of the pops. There's no real focal point to the performance. No, no,
1: exactly. it is,
2: it's an impossible task, really, to give you, yeah. to give you some credit yeah. there. Uh, I know, I
1: know. <laughs> and if you see what we're dressed in, it's even more impossible. <laughs> is that
2: where you're wearing, wearing a beret?
1: Yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. That <laughs> is that one. I look like something out of, we look like something out of a Henry VIII movie or something. <laughs>
2: or, or a lower low, yeah. Oh,
4: okay. <laughs> 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 I was
1: pissing by the door
2: <laughs> when I heard two shots. <laughs> Cause you got yeah. the moustache, haven't you? you got the, the um. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Still
2: okay. got the moustache. Um, okay, um, so also so right. moving from the ridiculous to the performance to the uh, yeah. line, we got "Moments in Love," which is just just gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah. Have you ever tried to calculate how many children have
1: been conceived to that track? Uh, no comment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because being ten minutes long, you can like have sex three times. So it's kind of, I, I
1: think I've been told that quite a few times.
2: Yeah, I uh, bet, I bet. Have you ever uh, had people come to you and said, "Oh, our child"? I know. Uh,
1: yeah, yes, yes, many, many times. But. The interesting bit of trivia about that record is Madonna got married to it. Yes,
2: Sean Penn, wasn't
1: it? Yep, yeah, they walked up the aisle. We were the only band that played at Madonna's wedding. But how did you find out about that? They um, phoned up the label and asked if they could use it. She wanted to get did money? only. Did you say only if we get an invite? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Madge, Madge adored that that piece of music, and so much so that, as I say, yeah, she got she got married to it. You
2: ever reach out and see if she wanted to work with you, or do do any um, engineering, no, producing?
1: No, no, funny enough, and never. Although Madonna. Has made some brilliant records. Mm. Um, I've no no desire to work with her. Is that
2: because of the personality type,
1: or? Don't know. I, I think probably because don't think I can bring anything to the table. Okay. I think I think I I you know, one of those people that she can do no wrong. Yeah, she's reinvented herself and possibly wandered down the wrong avenues for a little bit. Blah 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 blah. But it's a true artist in my in my eyes.
2: Yeah. Uh, and and, after so uh, long when everybody else has kind of fallen by the wayside and she's yeah yeah. yeah, she's a survivor as well isn't she yeah
1: she's an artist you know yeah she she she, it's yeah she's an artist she's
2: here uh, today. yeah I mean her 80s output is quite phenomenal really she's hugely successful but the the quality of the pop music was just so strong oh it was phenomenal
1: you might you might not like it but you can't critique it I, I, I can understand if you like don't like some of the things that she's done, but you can't tell me they're, they're bad pieces of work. No, not at all.
2: Anyway, I mean, moments in love. I mean, it stands out on the album because it's just there's lots of like like the drums are a lot seems to be the focus of a lot of the tracks on the album. And then you've got this beautiful kind of mellow oh. kind of vibe of this track. Was it? Does, I mean, did it come out of nowhere as a song?
1: It came out because it's a clichéd again. But, so we'd finished well, what we thought we thought we'd finish the album, and then then uh, Trevor and Blackwell turned around and said, "Well, you need a ballad." <laughs> <laughs> Even the art of noise need a ballad. Yeah, it's true, true. Well, um, you need a ballad. It's not an album until we got a ballad. Instrumental ballad. How oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So had the riff. Dun, 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 so played around with that, and then it, it just evolved from that. And then it was Trevor. Trevor wrote the word "moments in and love," and, and it's Anne who says it. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's hand, hand, oh, yeah.
2: So Trevor Horn will get a songwriting credit for the three words. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Let's not go there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've heard in the past there's a bit of a bone contention that all the songs are credited to the three of you and Trevor and Paul Morley. Yeah. And yeah. A bit of like we wasn't really there that much in terms of the recording uh, and writing?
1: Um, I'm, I'm actually comfortable with, with Paul, all right, because it was Paul who wrote all the sleeve notes. It was Paul who came up with a name. It was Paul who came up with a concept of being anonymous. It was Paul who came up with the mask. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Tre- Trevor's cut I'm not happy with I don't, I don't sit easy with that but we could. We had nowhere to go on that
2: Is it kind of like a finder's fee thing that it's, his studio it's kind of Yeah we like,
1: yeah it, 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 it to. started to get ugly because uh, he was now taking a cut of the writing we were having to work in his studio and pay their rates and it was like well hang on Trevor you're getting treble bubble here it's your studio you're part of the band and you're part of the writing credit. It's like aye, aye, but Paul, Paul, I'm had I'm, 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 I'm. There, I'm no, no contention with Paul's split on it because his contribution. Yeah, okay. but Yeah. So, but I, 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 I struggle with Trevor.
2: 1985. Sure, we'll keep this because we're into 1985, and that's kind of when when
1: you kind of made your split from ZTT, right? It was in that, that was the real rock and roll moment. We literally yeah. walked out of the studio. At what point was this? We just yeah. down tools. Well, what, oh, it, it it it's it got really messy. I I, I left the band before. All right, um, I I sort of it wasn't going right, and so what 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 had happened? was that we were at number eight in the charts, yeah? And uh, our contract had expired with ZTT and we were on appalling money financially. It was okay when it was a hobby and it didn't impact on on our day jobs. But as I said earlier, it was beginning to severely impact on our day jobs. I was having to turn down stuff because there was Art of Noise interviews to do and things like that. And we were out of contract, and uh, Jill just sent us an email saying, uh, "By receipt and return of this email, we take it that you have agreed to the next three years or whatever the extension in, in the contract." And I, I, I sat down with with the other two, and I said, "Look, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm losing money here, you know, and I'm I'm losing work, and I, there's not enough." coming from this art of noise to, to um, sustain me, to put it bluntly. So I, I said, I think we should go and find another deal because she'd missed Jill and actually legally missed the, the resigns. We were, we were free of a deal. We were, we, were, we were free. And I pointed that out to the other two and I thought they were with me and, and agreed that we should go and have a chat with Jill and tell her that we're, we're, we're not happy with what you're offering and we're going elsewhere and i thought the other two were behind me little did i know that jill had infiltrated them and managed to persuade Anne and jj to stay okay so i went into this meeting thinking the three of us were going to leave and jill fired me from my band she fired me right there and then in front of everybody you're not needed anymore okay is that immediate yeah as of this second because we were out of a deal, I had I, I had nowhere to go. I had no, no, I couldn't say anything. The other two behind my back had agreed to to resign to Jill.
2: Okay, so they continued the band. Yeah. But who are you more angry with? You're more angry with the, the the members of the band, or you're more angry with Trevor and Jill?
1: I was just. I was beside myself, to be honest, Mark. I, I I was I was just angry with the whole whole scenario. I, I absolutely, you know, yeah, I was I was furious about the whole thing. I was furious about what Trevor and Jill had done. I was furious that the other two hadn't been loyal to me. Yeah. So anyway, so there was a bit of talking. So anyway, I, I went back and um, and at this point, ZTT were doing a night at the Ambassadors, the, uh, a theatre in London, and they were going to put on a, a night at the Ambassadors, and it was going to be all. The said TT. And it was while we were prepping that show in the studio that I, and with the help of a lawyer friend, pointed out the errors of their ways, that we were at number eight in the charts. We could go to any major label in this town and pick up an amazing deal that would allow us to carry on with our day jobs, have a, have a, a good financial deal with a label and do the art of noise. And they saw that. And that night we literally just left everything in Psalm, Psalm West Studio One and, and walked out about six, seven o'clock in the evening and never went back. And then and then then we and we had a guy who was looking after us, a Welsh guy, who oh, was Franz Vidovis Costello and all that oh, die, die Di Davis. So we'd sign, we'd die, and at that point, Jill issued an injunction on us and literally went to every major label and put the fear of God in them and said, if any one of you sign this band, I shall see you in court. And everybody, Warners, Sony, BMG, blah, 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 all ran a million miles from us not touch but us were,
2: the you, were you technically out of contract at this point? Yeah,
1: yeah. Really, so
2: how yeah. could they what would they be able to sue
1: Because over? she 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 was going to argue that we weren't out of contract and it would have been for us to prove that we were. So the onus was she had put the onus on us to make make the proof. And so no nobody wanted to touch us. They knew what Jill was like. They okay. they'd seen 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 what she she was capable of. And so we, we had this injunction slapped on us. And so for a year, uh, we couldn't do anything, and it got very frustrating because we got as far as number eight, and there were other tracks, and da 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 da, and we had nowhere to go. So we bit the bullet, and we fought her. We took we took her into court, and. Thank heavens we'd won because if we'd lost, I would have been bankrupt. We'd have all been bankrupt. I and mean, we one, won the court case, and the injunction was overturned, and she was we were awarded costs.
2: You basically called their bluff because there's no way they were going to win that court case. It's just whether or not you had the, uh, you know, you're going to go to that as trouble to prove it.
1: Yeah, but calling Jill Sinclair's bluff is very dangerous. Really was dangerous, and it came down in favour of us, and so we we were free. And um and then we met Derek Green, who used to run Am records, and he'd started his own label that was going out through Chrysalis called China uh, and he he got he he got us 100 percent as a band he he had a vision for us, and it was it was Derek who came up with the idea of doing the collaborations
2: right. we'll get to that okay so so I assume you you had a lot of sympathy with Polly Johnson when he had his call. Oh
1: um, God yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever speak to him about it? No, um, it, it's an uns. You know, I, I've worked a lot with Holly. You know, in, in the past, I I've I, I did Holly. I took Holly out on tour a couple of times. So Holly, Holly and I are kind of good friends. But no, we don't. No, neither of us talk about the ZTT days. It's too painful. So, yeah, because ultimately, it's a shame because when that when that place was was happening, it it was it was such fun. Mm be hanging around it was all but it was so buzzy. there was the frankies there was us you know there was this um, um, andrew poppy there uh, there was all this contention with the frankies not getting play there was a huge buzz going on around around us and around the whole thing yeah it leaves a bit of a bit of tasting yeah it
2: just like a side way to do business so how uh, what was your relationship like with Trevor Horn, from that point was
1: it like a non relationship yeah I didn't mix with Trevor for quite a few quite a while we had to let quite a bit of water go under the bridge so what's your relationship like with him now okay no good because it, it, it's it, it's good I have no desire and I don't not that I know that he's makes records or whatever but I, I would have no desire to go back into the studio with Trevor no. the, the only thing that I've done with Trevor is he he, he Started the Trevor. He had the Trevor Horn band, and because I I had a, a change of career, if you like, I I started doing live production, and I took out the War of the Worlds and did three tours with that. And it was because of that then that that Trevor came to me and said, "Would would I help him? You know, do to put you know do, do 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 the band and do the sound for it and everything."
2: Is that part uh, of you who's tempted to say, "No, fuck off!" Like. <laughs> Or were you just like okay yeah it's just less water. No,
1: because no, because I enjoyed the music. Look, Trevor's a great writer. He's a great yeah. bass player. All right. Yeah, I cannot like parts and parts of Trevor. All right. Like the business side of Trevor, I think is absolutely despicable.
2: You can separate the two.
1: But I, I can separate the two. Uh, and so when he asked me if I, I'd do it, it was like well. What's not to like about doing this? I'm going to be sat in front of a a, 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 a rocking band. I've got Lippo playing guitar. I've got Trevor playing bass. I've got, oh, I'm dreadful with names. The drummer. Oh, oh. Anyway, really good drummer. Lol, Lol Cream's in the band. You know, a bit of a hero for me because of 10cc and I'm yeah. not in love and all that. It's like, so, so What what? so what's not to like about it? They're going to do an, an hour and a bit set of just hits and, and with a great band. I'm I'm in heaven, you know, give me give me a bunch of great musicians and I'll, I'll sit there all night long.
2: And during that time did you ever have a conversation with Trevor about it? No. Did we say like,
1: like about what happened. No, no. no, just, no. It's, it's the great and sad. It's it's pointless. What to, to achieve what? I don't know. Yes, I I, I I I, know, I, to, I I can show my bitter and anger and how twisted I am, but it achieves nothing. So
2: you don't leave <laughs> unfinished business unresolved. Just a sorry. Just like say, like, yeah,
1: nah, nah. We handled that badly. Is never, Trevor is never oh, going to so. say that. So, so why, why go chasing it?
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: You <laughs> know, just enjoy the music and the and the musicianship. You know that that was my my take.
2: When when Jill died in such such tragic, so oh. horrible the story behind it. Um, did you reach out to him then? Did you?
1: Yes, yeah, I went to the funeral. Yeah, and because I'm I'm of the same faith, then I, I went to the shiver as well. And yeah, no, I I I wouldn't say I reached out to him, but I, I was supportive with with, with his loss. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was just so tragic. Look, Jill, Jill and I have had some mammoth arguments over the years. You know, as I said, she sacked me from a band, but you know that was just tragic. Yeah, That's really tragic yeah
2: okay so let's just focus on something more positive we are go into 1985 the two aspects there was uh, Scruti Politi's Cupid and Psyche. oh yeah Um, you engineered Absolute and Hypnotise yep Absolute is a masterpiece of a song yep You also do the twelve-inch mix of it as well. Yep. Yeah. I,
3: love you. Ooh, and I love
0: you. wanted to hear the B-side. Hear the B-side. The B-side
2: so you're you're you recording the basic, the actual song that goes on the album, and then you do a twelve-inch mix. What is the because because. Often you do a 12-inch mix of somebody else's song, yeah? That's already been...
1: Yeah, it, it's torture to have to do a 12-inch mix of your own work, if that's where you're aiming. Yeah,
2: it's like, what is the it, process for that compared to just uh, being a song to do a mix of? <laughs> why why uh,
1: is it so hard? Uh, it's just hard work because you've poured, you've done all the, the passion and you've given it all on, on the first go, and now you've got to rip all that up and, and start again. Uh, I don't know how sometimes how I got to got how I did some of these 12 inches I just know that I had a knack for doing it but it was much easier to do a 12 inch of somebody else's work than to do do your own because you, you, it's yeah you, you've done it once you, you've made it all you've made all the bits you're about to use again it, it, it was it was hard work hard work
2: did you know when you were making the album you'd be doing 12
1: inch 12 inch mixes of it so did you like no no, no they can do a mix for the single. Yeah, and and, you, and then you get asked. Well, we're going to need a 12 inch. It's like, oh, really? Can't you? You know, they're saying in their breath, "Well, actually, it's cheaper for us to ask you to do it." So,
2: constellation. It is a great mix. Thank you.
1: It's it's a, it's a great track.
2: Oh, it's a brilliant song. Absolutely brilliant. It's just yeah. I mean, the whole album's great, but I mean, I just. I just particularly Love Absolute.
1: Uh, it was, uh, yeah, he's got a funny voice on him, and the, 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 the vocals are never loud enough, I don't think, in the mixes.
2: He's got kind of a light kind of feel. Yeah, it
1: was like, it was like cotton wool. It was yeah. the, the voice is like cotton wool, and it would be like floating on the, on a cloud, I used to think. And uh, the, there was always an ongoing battle between Green and I about the, the lead vocal level. He wanted it quieter, I wanted it louder.
2: Yeah.
1: But but the other thing about, about working with, with, with Scritty is I I've got, I've got to work with a, a, another hero. I got to work with Eric. Yes. Uh, and, and, and and he was just a, gorgeous to work with. It was like working with your granddad or your uncle, your favorite uncle. You know, I'd sit next to this guy and i think, oh, my Lord, the records, the things you've done, you, 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 you're a hero.
3: On the nights
4: on Broadway
1: So what, that did was, like, what did you learn most from working with him i didn't well, we didn't spend enough time together to be honest um it was ju- it was just an absolute pleasure to be in his presence to be honest and, and know know what this this chap had, had, had done throughout his life but uh it was i and i really really enjoy i, I enjoyed doing specifically working with them and, and they, they i think they did a gig or green did a gig about two weeks ago and i couldn't couldn't get to it at the shepherd's bush empire that's right, I tried to go, but anyway. Yeah, so, it's politic. What year was that, 1980?
2: 85. Okay. okay. So there's a lot of mixes in 85, so like you did a single mix of Wide Boy When It Kershaw, because I remember like you had that album as well. The Pleasure Fix, extended mix of Welcome to the
4: Pleasure Dome. In song and in dance, I express myself as a member of a higher community. I have forgotten how to walk and speak. I am on the way toward flying into the air, dancing. My very gestures express enchantment. I feel myself a god. Supernatural sounds emanate from me. I walk about enchanted in ecstasy like the gods I saw walking in my dreams. I am no longer an artist. I have become a work of art. Welcome to the pleasure
1: dome.
2: Any memories of, of doing that? Yeah,
1: there? yeah. Well, because yeah, that's when. I, that's when I. Yeah. So I. I, I, I well, I, only it was just another twelve inches. As you said, I was doing. Lots of 12 inches at that time. Um, It was just, you know, Trevor just threw it out. You You know, Trevor's nickname for me was Cocky. Because I I was I was I was too cocky sometimes, but it it was to our advantage most of the times. Otherwise, some of the some of the things wouldn't wouldn't happen. So it was like cocky. Would you do uh, Would you do me a twelve inch? Well, Trevor, I had Lippo do one and whatever, whatever do one. Yeah, but I'd like you to do one. Yeah, right. Okay, come on, I'll do it. So it was a bit like that. My 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 favorite twelve inch that I did was uh, with Billy Idol. Yes, that's a good one. Flesh for Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I think that. that, that, I think that's. To be honest, I think that's really very, very, very good. Why? What? What is it particularly about that 12-inch mix that you like? It encompasses. It's. It's very respectful of the 7-inch, but it pushes that whole thing a lot, lot further. Um, I was very confident when doing doing that. Um, I. it just clicked with me and I was able to really take it, take it to a new level. It was a really good 12 inch.
2: Paul McCartney, My Carnival Party. Uh-huh. That was '85 because that was on the um, Spies Like Us 12-inch, which I I had and, and played to death. I love that
1: 12-inch. Really, really, not my favourite pieces of. Work. I
2: love Spies Like Us, and I you, love my really Car- good Yes, I do. I'm the person. You <laughs> saying you don't like My Carnival or you don't like Spies Like Us?
1: Well, I, I didn't like either of them to be honest, I, and that but that goes against I don't work with something I don't yes, like. But it's
2: McCartney, so you're not going to say no to
1: McCartney. Well, exactly. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> How did
2: that come about? How did you get the uh, chance to work with McCartney? Uh, were you actually working with McCartney, or we just give them the tapes to just? Uh...
1: Oh no no! He, he, he and Linda came down, and we, we worked we we together. How did it come, of, it would have been a record company thing. They, they would have heard, you know, somebody would have been saying something and somebody said, well, you should get these guys in the Art of Noise to, 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 to do a remix uh, or whatever. I wonder if we did the whole thing. Um, uh, I like, well, this is a funny thing to say, but I, I didn't have a great time with Paul. Paul and I didn't really hit it off. <laughs> in what so, way? No, it's not great thing to say. And fess up, we just didn't hit it off. What can I say? We were never going to go down the pub together and have a drink. Let's put it that way. Did you? However, however, however Linda, you... yeah. Linda, and I got on like a house on fire.
2: Yeah, everyone says only nice things about Linda. Oh,
1: really? Oh, good. Because oh, yeah, right.
2: I mean, I spoke to Hugh Page, and we worked with him around this time on on this next album, Press to Play, and he didn't right. either. Did you make any criticisms
1: of Paul at all? No, 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 not at all. It was just just uh, it was just his attitude and the way he went about things that, that he made you feel uncomfortable. look, I worked with some big people, and it didn't really matter to me who you are to be honest, you're all artists, yeah yeah but but paul Paul continually made you feel that you were working with Paul McCartney, yeah, yeah. And it was like, that's not necessary, Paul. I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know you've, you've, you're, you're a genius. But you he don't... have a specific example of when he did that. No, yeah, it was just a general attitude, to be honest. Well, there's not, nothing one thing that I would pull out yeah. and, and say. But it was just a general attitude that you were very conscious that you were working with Paul McCartney. Whereas with Linda, she could have been like the girl next door sort of thing. Yeah. But so that was not not, not not the case with Paul.
2: So was he sat with you while you were doing the mix or would he just like give us feedback to what you've been doing?
1: he just give his feed, wander in and give us feedback and wander out. It was... It, I, I didn't enjoy my time with him.
2: It's, it's interesting because it, like... It does sound like an Art of Noise kind of mix, but of all the, the McCartney songs to do an Art of Noise kind of reworking of, My Carnival seems like a weird choice, this kind of mid-70s kind I, of...
1: Honestly, I, I, I I, we were clashing at straws doing that. I, I remember the, the, the horrible sample of, of his voice by Carnival. I remember that. It, was, it No, it's not not my favourite time. I really didn't enjoy that. We enjoyed working with Dwayne Eddy much more.
3: Ah!
2: 1986. So in 1986, the second Art of Noise album, Invisible Silence, which I bought at the time when it came out. Um, again, you got some big hits. Now you got um, Dwayne Eddy, Peter Gunn. Which yeah,
1: you... I, I, I've left the band again at this point. But not
2: you've you've you were there for the recording,
1: yeah? Uh, not for all of it. No, some of it was, some of it wasn't. What had happened was they were about to go out on tour, and I had one idea of how we should tour. And they had, they were influenced by the record company again, and they went out and they did this sort of sit-down college tour of America. And I said I wasn't going to do it. I'm not, I'm not traipsing around America just doing a sit, sit-down college, college gig. Um, I, what I wanted to do was what you two eventually ended up doing. They did, they did a, a, they had a show. I think it was called Europa or something like that, where Zero. they, huh? New Yeah, where they were using BJs and they were using satellite links and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, what I wanted to do with The Art of Noise, uh, we'd been offered to tour America, and so, tour America, do some gigs. Uh, and so I said, okay, well, then we've got to do something that nobody's ever done before. We can't just surely just go out there and do, do some gigs. So my idea was I wanted to... Um, I wanted to say The Art of Noise plays New York, The Art of Noise plays Chicago, The Art of Noise plays LA, plays San Francisco. And what what I wanted to do was, I knew that in each of those cities, there'd be a a major club that was like the club. And my idea was that we'd set up in the club and we would have VJs. And what we would have is um, ENG cameras in other clubs in that city. And we would broadcast, I wasn't quite sure how we were gonna do this, all right? But what I wanted to do was broadcast the audio out to all these other clubs, have a, um, a microwave link camera crew in these clubs, and then take it all back to, let's say if we were in New York, where the idea was to set up in DanceOteria, and and then take everything back to dance interior and have these VJs, and, and we would be performing one way or another in Danceteria. I wanted to use the Andy Warhol thing that everybody would be famous for 15 minutes of their life, that phrase. So I said, well, why don't we actually take people from these clubs around New York, who are, you know, dancing mad or going whatever bonkers, and make them the, the lead singer for that song, for that moment. And every, you know, they're going you know, back to Malcolm and can't or won't, okay? And, and they and they were going, you can't do that. And I'm going, what do you mean you can't do that? Why don't we go out and get sponsorship? Why don't we get Panasonic to sponsor all all the technical, the visual technical side of it? Why don't we get do, 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 techniques to all, all this? And people were going to me, you can't do that. I, I said, okay, well then I don't want to do it, and, and, I, and I, I left them for a while. And then, uh, then the, the whole Dwayne thing and the
2: Tom Jones thing came about and then
1: I, I went back again. <laughs> Once I had more hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> your, your your career as a producer kind of stepped up at this point, didn't it? Because you got producer credits on, on several albums, including Through the Barricade, Spandau Ballet, with yeah. the um, title track, which is one of their best songs. Yes. Yeah? Yeah.
4: Love is gone. She says it must be youth that keeps us feeling strong. I see her face that's turned to ice. And when she smiles, she shows the lines of sacrifice. And now I know. What they're saying, as our sun begins to fade And we made our love on wasteland land through the barricades
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely in the top. I, I think it's one of the best songs apart from True, uh, you know, that that, that Gary's written.
2: True and Instinction, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. All right, definitely. yeah, okay. <laughs> So
2: when you're you're stepping up from being an engineer to a producer for the same band... Yeah. I imagine the analogy would be like in in football or soccer, where you're the coach and now you're the manager, or you're a player and then a manager. Yeah. Do you have to
1: earn the band's respect to be the producer? No, not not, not for me, because I've already been there. They know... You've been there as an engineer, so it's not the same. It's like... It's not the same, but... Uh, I didn't really change too much. It was that I I was now told I was a producer. I, I didn't wake up and change my my inner self because I now had this sticker on my back that said producer. I, I just carried on as, as normal.
2: So but when you when you were the engineer of the sessions, yeah, would you make suggestions in the same way? You yes, would-
1: you would. And what I was about to say was. What what as the the label of producer from engineer to producer? What what it gives me is a bigger license to make those suggestions. Right. Okay. So where where if you're just the engineer, I'm not I'm putting that that I'm making that a lowly position, but you are more mindful of what you can say and what you can't say. But when you're a producer, you're you you're, you've got a different level of empowerment. here. So I, I, I can now go to Gary and, you know, listen to the demos and go, are, are you sure this is the da 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 da, da? Do you not think that maybe, you know, the chorus shouldn't be quite da-da-da-da-da. And you wouldn't say that as a producer. You might, as an engineer, you'd think it, but you wouldn't voice it. But yes. then, now I'm, I'm given a license and, and a safe place to, to voice to voice those, those opinions. So that's one of the things that changes. It also, because of that empowerment, it gives, in the case of somebody like Gary, he can, if you like, go off and lead me to it, knowing that I'm very much rowing in the same direction as him. Yeah. Whereas if you are just the engineer, you, you I, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one that, it, it, it's a difficult one because I never really saw that I changed at all from being an engineer to, the, to being a producer. You see, I, I, as a producer, I, I, I came, at, I didn't come at things from a musician's point of view, like Trevor would. He's a bass player. So as a producer, he, he's coming at it as, as a musician. I'm, I'm coming at this role, this title from, if you like, the technical side. Right, which was artistic, because technology was becoming very artistic now in the 80s. That's one of the things that did happen. You know, it it changed people's thinking about technology. And so that that, that was my, that was what I was bringing to the table uh, as a producer. But I don't think it really, I don't personally think I changed. I didn't, as I said, I didn't wake up and say, oh, well, today I'm a producer. So I'm you know, I'm, I'm, all, I'm an engineer at halfmark. Mark. Yeah. yeah that, that 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 is me. I, other people have said, "Oh, now you're a producer. Now you're an artist. Now, now you're a studio builder." But the the the, the heart of me is is a recording engineer. I love the job. I loved being a T boy, and assistant. I thought that was the best job in the world. That's <laughs> responsibility, yeah. Well, because I, I I got it. I got it. I, 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 it, it goes back to this whole thing of when I was describing to you my relationship with Trevor about not speaking and thinking about what the person might be going to or going, going to next. And if you're a good assistant, and, man, I've had some bad ones, if you're a good assistant, you're, you're, you're one step ahead of me. If I'm the engineer and you're my assistant, then you should be one step ahead of me. You should know where I want to go, what I want to do next.
2: Is that true of an engineer to a producer?
1: Yes, I think so. That's why Trevor and I were so good together yeah. because I we knew where we were going without saying anything. But I, I, for me, I can trace that right back to learning how to be a good assistant engineer. Right, and that's why I got to work with some great engineers uh, along my way because because I was good at it. I was reliable. I was a hundred percent.
2: 1987. Okay, right into 1987, you produced. Public Image Limited with happy or oh, happy question mark or oh, is, oh, is it Come it was an ooh or an ow you were saying
1: no that was an ooh ooh okay I had, uh, had a few ouchy moments yeah <laughs>
2: I was gonna say it was like I interviewed Stephen Haig and, and and like him you worked with Mark and McLaren first and then John Lyden.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well so I was saying, John, John at this point had seriously fallen out with Malcolm, so there was never any conversation about I was gonna Malcolm. say, did he ask you about Mark nah, nah, nah. But what what happened with that album was and my might uh, okay, so I was at the same time I was doing then Jericho, um, I was doing uh sugar box, and what was the hit? A big area. Yeah. And I was at the Manor Studios in Oxford, and I was running late, days-wise, all right? And my next thing was to go up to Milton Keynes, there was a studio up in Milton Keynes, and start with Public Image. And I'd done a few days in rehearsal with the band prior to this. John hadn't turned up, or I never saw John. All right, But the band, and we'd gone through a bunch of tracks. So I wasn't too worried that I wasn't going to be there from day one, because as far as I was concerned, they still had work to do. I, you know, there was bits of songs that they hadn't sorted out and weren't working. And, but they, they, were the, they were the bones of the ideas. They just needed to pull it together in the studio. And they didn't need me there to, to do it. They just needed to be set up and, and playing and, and, and working things out. So, I wasn't too bothered that I was going to be a couple of days late. Okay. So, I, I, try, I drive up to uh, Milton Keynes and I get there for dinner time. And there's this huge dining table um, with benches, one down each side. And the band is sitting one side, and there are two places set the other side of the table. So, I figured one of them's for me or her feet. So, I sit down with the band and I chatting. And then, and then, then Lydon turns up and he, comes and sits right next to me. He couldn't have sat any closer. And, and he goes, and well, where the fuck have you been? <sighs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was everyone Gambit. <sighs> <laughs> so I said, well, blah, 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 make some piss-poor excuse. And he sort of ignores it. And so the next thing he does is he gets his knife from fork and he's sitting right next to me and I'm going to have to demonstrate with my phone and something else. And he does this. This is ni- his knife and fork are on a really big table. And he does that right next to me for about 10 minutes, <laughs> nonstop. And I'm trying to eat a meal and I don't react at all. The next thing that happens is this plate of raw garlic turns up. And there are about four or five bulbs of garlic. And he breaks all the bulbs open, and he peels each clove, and then he slowly eats each clove of garlic. And after he's finished each clove, he turns and says something to me, and he's about two inches from my face. <laughs> you can imagine what his breath smelled like. You just want, you just wanted to vomit. And that that was my that was my introduction to Mister Lydon. That's a lot of trouble to go to to annoy somebody, isn't it? Yeah. Like, but John will do that John will do that now because I didn't flinch or bat an eyelid I I, I, I won if you so. wanted his respect because you stood up yeah. yeah 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 until until I wanted to put female backing vocals <laughs> <laughs> then it all went a bit pear shaped again he massively threw the toys out the pram, and now we've we we're, we're, we've left Milton Keynes, and, and we're now down in London. and We're back at the townhouse because I couldn't work anywhere else because I was building Metropolis, and I'd been sort of like the uh, townhouse was the only studio that would let me work there. Everybody else had blacklisted me around London, yeah, because of Metropolis. And, and so we're we're back in back in the townhouse, and I said to John, "You know what? We we should put some uh, female singers on these." And he went. I fucking never had female singers on my records, and I'm not going to fucking start now. And he stormed off. <laughs> and so I just carried on and put these singers on. And uh, he turned. He came back about three or four days later. He goes, right, fucking play me what you got then. And so I played him, and he said, he it. So he goes, it's all right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's the nicest thing he said to you? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's is, that is, that is kind of like us like us hugs and kisses isn't it really yeah
1: it, it was from from john it was i know uh, we became good friends I, I went and stayed with him in la for a bit and things like that we be we became quite friendly i have a great picture of john in my kitchen i have a fabulous fabulous um photograph of him taken in la in, in, in the eighties. and uh yeah i have a lot of respect for john
2: again he's another survivor really isn't he he's someone that's just yeah, still yeah
1: yeah, and, and he's very, very intelligent. He's very, yeah. very great You know, people, people kind of okay. and he 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 makes you get him wrong. That's part of the game.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. The whole game is for you to get him wrong, and he he he, he works hard at that. But <laughs> inside, is a very, very bright person.
2: Uh, the garlic is quite it's quite impressive in a way to go to that much trouble.
1: Oh man, it was that that yeah. and the, the, political the political point, point. Yeah. It was just a hideous mark. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hideous. The things I have gone through <laughs> 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 for the sake of my arts and other people's arts. 1988.
2: 1989. Okay, we're almost we're almost getting there. We've got like three more things to do, really says uh, 1988. Our Valley again, released the Raw single, and then 89, the album Heart Like a Sky. Yeah. as a producer or an engineer were you monitoring the success of the stuff you were working on because this is post peak Spando Ballet this is an album that didn't do particularly <laughs> singles didn't do well when the first single from an album doesn't hit the top 40 are you aware of this are you concerned or are you already moving on to the next project
1: I I, we, I knew that we were over the crest there were other things that were going on that had started when finishing off through the barricades, i.e. Gary and Martin, had been asked to do the Cray Brothers movie. Um, And Gary was beginning to get a little bit tired of having to be the sole writer. And there were other things going on in his personal life. There was an awful lot going on. it, it, It didn't bode well from day one, making that album. I kind of had the feeling that, you know, this is, this is the wind down.
2: So when you had that feeling right at the beginning, is it a case of just planning on through and getting it done, or do you... you no, know,
1: because I'd, I'd never had that attitude, you know, I, I can't work like that. But there was an underlying feeling going on within me. I, I I don't know about the others because, you know, it was starting to rub a bit within the band and Gary wasn't turning up and, I was doing things and just getting on with it. and spirits weren't great within the band. and so it was it was a bit like pushing pushing a rock up a hill to be honest. and Gary was spending more and more time away Martin was, and spending more and more time away because they were going back to acting school and things like that because the Cray Brothers movie was going to be it was going to be it and so yeah, in gary's head what what album were we on with spandau i don't know is this album five four five um that's, that's, I it's would, got a big round seven i would say on oh six or seven maybe anyway yeah so the the prospect because you know the boat here martin yeah. started out as child actors yeah like they're in grain chill and things like that and adverts and and so he was, he was, you know, inside Gary. He always wanted to be. He wanted the other thing. He wanted to be was an actor. He recognised as an actor. Uh, and so the, the prospect of a Craig Brothers movie, making it, and making it with his brother, was greater, I think, than doing a seventh Spandau album. Yeah. And and so it it just got it just got really really tiring. You know, Gary would. He'd be gone for a week, and so I'd just carry on. I'd got the songs, and I, I I worked with what I'd got, and then Gary would do that awful thing of he'd come back into town, and we'd sit and go through things, and he'd just pull it all apart. And I'd say to Gary, well, this isn't on me. You can't you can't, you can't, bugger off, all right, and, and, and lead me to it, and then come back and pull it to bits. That's not how the game goes.
2: So is that why it took us so long? Because the, the single, first single came out September 88, and the album didn't come yeah. out. Number eighty-nine.
1: Yeah. It was because it was one step forward, two steps back all the time. Yeah. And somehow we got to the end, but it it was a shame because of of, of you know, we'd had so much fun and joy making through the barricades. You know, every day of that album was an absolute joy. Even having to go over to, to Dublin every weekend and routine them because they were doing a tax year.
2: <laughs> yeah. So so where do you where do you stand on the
1: recent like court cases they've had and Well that 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 came back to bite me because I lost I lost my friendship with Tony. You sided with Gary over that. Because 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 they were wrong. They were they it was so so wrong what they were arguing. What had happened was right back in the beginning when it was obvious that out Ballet as a band were gonna be successful. I, I remember being because I was engineer, I did engineer the first one, first first and second album, not all of the bits, but quite a lot of it. And people were saying to Gary, look, this isn't going to be healthy. You are going to be successful. You know, they knew it. You know, the, you know record company, they knew that if they pump more money into this and get everything it away, it's, it's going to be a goer. So they would say, look, Gary, it's not healthy that you're the only writer because come success, there's going to be a terrible financial imbalance. You know, you you, you need to kind of somehow sort this out. So Gary's take on that was voluntarily nothing written down he would give i think it was something like a third of his publishing every year he would put it into the band account to to level things out and it was never written down but it was something that was always done and then when it got to the end of heart like a sky and 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 it was all over gary stopped making that payment and they didn't like it And so that's where the court case started from. And then because they had to formulate an argument, because that wasn't very good because there was nothing written down, then they came up with this argument that Tony was saying that, well, if I wasn't the lead singer, then these would never have been a hit. So therefore you owe me. And you can't have that because if that be the case... Then every guitarist, every bass player, every whatever could retrospectively go back and sue the sue the writer. And so I was then asked by Gary Martin to be an expert witness and explain to the judge, Lord Justice, I can't remember his name, um, which was a frightening thing to have to do. That this was this argument was was twisted and wrong. And that you, you if you find in favor. of of Tony and the others, then it will mean that every writer in in every band will be completely petrified and worried that every member of that band is now going to come back and sue him for, for for the publishing. It doesn't work like that. You're in a band. Somebody writes, somebody sings, somebody plays bass, somebody does this. And you're a band, and it's the collective. And you would think,
2: um, the uh, way and think, well, for, for all the peak years, we were getting a third of the publishing of songs we didn't write. So yeah. they did pretty well out of it. Exactly. You've got your ex girlfriend that sings an, does an important part of Poison Arrow and doesn't get a penny.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it really contributes. Yeah. And yet they want a third of the publishing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so, and thank heavens for the industry that Lord Justice, whatever, found in favour of of Gary. Now, unfortunately, you know, those sort of court cases are rather expensive because you have to employ Queen's Counsel and blah, blah, blah. And it bankrupted Tony and he lost. And then they were given leave leave to appeal because it was a test case that nobody had ever brought this argument into the court before. It was deemed a test case and they were given leave uh, to appeal the whole decision. And so they went and found legal aid and took it back into the High Court a second time. And they lost a second time. And after that, Tony Tony wouldn't talk to me. He deemed it to be all my fault, which was a little unfair.
2: You Yeah, you did the right. But
1: it's all resolved now. Yeah, I, I, I bump, bump into Tony on, on, on some of the, the touring circuits and it's okay now, but it, for a little while... It was really not nice between Tony and I and the other members of the band.
2: It was just sad into the band after producing such, you know.
1: It was just sad because, you know, we we, like if it wasn't for, gosh, if it wasn't for Tony, I wouldn't have. Well, if it it wasn't for Spandau, then I wouldn't have met my wife and had my family because it it was it was it was. Martin's wife Shirley, and and it was Pe- I was working with Pepsi and Shirley, and I did it did a couple of singles with them. Same. Doing that, that um, Shirley and Pepsi introduced me to their stylist. Then um, Tony and his wife at the time, who was Leonie, they would then invite me over to dinner, and this stylist would also be there for dinner. And so, you know, they are a major player in my life. You know, I wouldn't, as I said, I wouldn't have met my wife if it wasn't for. Totally, Tony. But, um, yeah, so it's all good now. But it was it was not nice for a long time. Uh,
2: you co-produced the Rock Aid Armenia track, Smoke on the Water. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, doing a 40-minute documentary on it, presented by Tommy Vance. Yeah. Metropolis Studios, London. Here, during the summer of 89, 13 of the biggest names in rock banded together to re-record a classic in aid of the victims of the Armenian earthquake. The producer with the mammoth task of recording the session is Gary Langan, best known for his work with Queen, Billy Idol, and Yes. So let's go through the, the cast list of the record. So on vocals, you have Ian Gillen,
2: Bruce Dickinson, Paul Rogers, David yeah. Gilmour, Brian Adams on guitar, yeah. Brian May, David Gilmour, Tommy E.O. Me, Richie Blackmore, yeah. Chris yeah. Wire of Yes on bass, and yeah. uh, Roger Taylor yeah. of Queen on Drums. So are those guitarists, Brian May, David Gilmour, Tommy E.O. Yeah. Richie Blackmore, which made the biggest impression on you at the time when you were recording?
1: Uh,
2: (laughs) Are there for good reasons or bad
1: reasons? (laughs) (laughs) Mr Gilmore. (laughs) For good reasons? We had an awful Sunday
0: morning, here. and I. <laughs> Let's talk about the Pink Floyd, because over the past couple of it years... Let's, let's talk about the Pink Floyd. But over the last couple of years, you've done an immense amount of touring, a lot of very consistent touring. Mm. What's created this sudden burst of energy? Um, well, we enjoy it. we got rid of old misery guts, and now uh, we can do what we feel like. Misery <laughs> guts would be uh, Roger Waters. Well spotted. <laughs> <laughs> I, so
1: I did I co-produce that with Jeff Downs yeah yeah and, and because it was a charity record it was big borrow of steel yeah so um, because I own I was part owner of metropolis then we'd grab spare time at metropolis hence making it at metropolis all right so I was tasked with uh, <laughs> with doing Dave all right he he, he was it was his turn to come down and, and play smoke on the water all right and it was um it was the weekend after they'd done the pink floyd had done um, what's it bowl um uh, milton keynes bowl somewhere like that something like that big outdoor concert they did anyway so i'd gone to see that and so the next weekend it was sunday morning. And it was about 10 o'clock. You know, not, not not a nice time to be in a studio, especially not to do lead guitars with on smoke on the water. Okay. And I bearing in mind I've done a whole bunch of you know lead guitars already. So it's not as if I'm lacking in the lead guitar department. So anyway, so Dave, Dave turns up and he, he doesn't want to be there either. So the pair of us don't want to be there. It's Sunday morning, possibly both got a bit of a hangover or whatever, yeah. So I don't, don't really want to be there. So uh, and, and Dave's not said anything. He's just sort of basically turned up. He's got, he's got his Gibson and he's got a small amp and everything. And he's just turned up and he's not saying anything. And one of the assistants has asked him, what do you want, tea or coffee? And he's gone, coffee, in a grumpy way. And the kids run off and got it. So to sort of break the ice, I'd said to Dave, so uh, d- did you play that guitar last weekend? I just, You know, It was such a silly thing to say, but I had to say something. All right. <laughs> and he went, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Oh, this is going to go far, isn't it?" <laughs> it's okay. So it can't wait. it goes from
0: bad to worse. So
1: we start, we start doing, duh, 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 and we start playing the riff, huh? and I don't know, we're about the third or fourth take of it, and, and, and Rich, Richie blackboard turns up. Okay, and he sits at the back of the control room. (laughs) We get to the end, and he turns around to Dave and he says, You're playing it wrong. (laughs) Did that go down well? No. (laughs) (laughs) Because every guitarist thinks they know how to play Smoke on the Water, but you know, he's he pointed out actually you know it was you have to go to open tuning and it's all bar chords I'm not a guitarist I couldn't work things out you know if you watch most guitarists play smoke on the water they've got this impossible finger construction going on on their left hand alright because they haven't worked out that you go to open tuning and play it as bar chords but it's the fact that you know Dave and I weren't getting on with him. he turns up and says you're playing it wrong <laughs> I've got Blackmore now teaching Gil to
2: play <laughs> I didn't make the documentary.
1: No, I bet it didn't. <laughs>
2: Watching that documentary, Richie Richie Blackmore makes me wonder if he was on the, <coughs> the final tap. There was a real huh? final tap vibe about him when he spoke. i just,
0: I just got a bit of the old Nigel Tufnell. Blackmore is one of the key figures in rock guitar, with a string of major rock classics to his credit. His interests are not only confined to music, however, and as he was about to embark on a tour of German castles, it wasn't long before the conversation turned to things macabre.
4: For instance. I had- one experience no, no, the studio is up some uh stairs,
3: mm-hmm. and
4: I was walking towards these stairs to come down in the studio. and This lead went tall. Can you imagine a lead just a guitar lead just, just about this high? Tried to trip me up as I was going down the stairs, and there was nobody in the room. I was like.
1: Get out of here <laughs> <laughs> well, well yeah but that's that's how, how it kind of was so you know now 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 picture this I've got Gilmore not wanting to be there and uh, just being told he's been you know who's every everybody in the on the planet hails Gilmore as like one of the world's greatest guitarists right some some cheesy rock and roll has turned up told him he's playing his song <laughs> role <laughs> <laughs> It was a spinal tap. It really was. <laughs> I think I stood up and said, "I'll go and switch the W off, shall I?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I think maybe it's interesting that she's bringing it up. You know. Well, she'd like to hear it's the vocals. I mean, it's she like you're saying, you know, it. you're using your own conditioner for your hair, you know. It's, it's, I don't be stupid. It looks well, sort well, of... It's bad. Not it's just, you you, don't, you don't do idea. every metal in Dobly,
4: you know, I mean, in it's...
0: In what? In like, <laughs> what? In <laughs> Dobly. What? Dobly. In
4: Dobly? I mean, you can't... In
0: Dublin? She means Dolby, all right? She means Dolby. You know perfectly well what she means. We shan't recover from this
1: one. We shan't recover from this one. Oh, come on. Dolby.
2: Oh, this is a good film, isn't it, smart You never. Yeah,
1: I'm sorry, it was genius, absolutely. Yeah. Genius. And to sit and watch it with Jeff Downs, it was just hilarious. <laughs> so
2: that riff, how many times did you hear it, and did you ever get bored? Oh, I mean, I, I uh, do
1: it, It's painful now. <laughs>
2: quick fire mound all right so song you think should have been a bigger hit that you're involved oh with. what that i've done in the 80s yeah you're involved with
1: oh yeah. blimey don't that springs the mind for me one, one that got away
2: yeah abc sos should have been a massive hit
1: that 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 should have yes it should have been a massive hit you're right um oh it, it's a shame um <laughs> We've all got them albums that just never really made it out of the studio. Never, never got into the shop. I, I, I made I, this. I, I, this, this will be my album that you know that you're talking about, but it was never released, so it doesn't quite fulfil your your category. I, I made an album with a chap called John Karen, who in fact ended up being Dave Gilmore's um, MD. And Roger Waters MD and Kate Bush's MD, and he's actually, you know, a very nice chap. And we made this album in New Orleans, and I had, it was a great band. I had jo- John wrote all the song, and and this band was put together around it. And I had Daryl Johnson from the Neville Brothers on bass and vocals. I had, oh see, I'm dreadful with names. He was the guitarist. He was out of Linda Ronstadt's band. Damn, his name will come to me. And then I had uh, Sterling Campbell on drums, who ended up being Bowie's guitar uh, drummer. And so I had, had this amazing band. I was in an amazing studio in New Orleans, making the most beautiful album that I'd ever worked on and made. It really was. It was truly beautiful. Um, but we never got to finish it political reasons which i don't want to go into but it's a shame so did did you ever get released no i never got released never got released Find it on
2: youtube or anything like that
1: no 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 i i have a copy and john has a copy and that that is it Mm -hmm. and i see it's very sad we end the parents ended up in tears to be quite honest mark it was it was tragic um but what things that i'd done that i thought should have been a his no i don't to be honest okay I think everything that I have done has had the success, if you like, that it deserves. (laughs) Okay. So if it wasn't a great success, you know. Okay, so i go back to the ABC Beauty stat. I I, I think it's a shame that 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 was not buried, but it wasn't helped to be the success that it should have been. I think that's the album because there's some wonderful stuff on there. Again, again, Anne did some beautiful arrangements. Yeah. It should have been a bigger hit. And as you say, S.O.S. was a fabulous. It still is a fabulous song. With all the
4: power that I possess Let's match their money with our own finesse Why should we ever have to settle for less Why does this message always have to be
2: Agreed. Okay. Biggest diva moment you experienced in the studio? Biggest what? Diva. D-I-V-A. Oh,
1: diva? Oh, my God.
2: Someone being a diva in the studio.
1: Oh, John Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first or second time. Both times. And John, John and I, again, I, he, he, he wasn't a, a, a diva. He uh, he was not 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 fun to work with. And it was like, look, mate, you, you're the singer in the band. Okay. Just, just quit all the uh, the big timeless on me. Yeah. So what kind of thing would he do? Oh, he would. I, 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 I would be left doing vocals, and Trevor would just bugger off, and I'd end up having to do the vocals. Uh, and he would just do. He was just horrible to work with. He would just. <sighs> he'd make you jump through hoops for for no reason. He would do horrible things. Like he had this horrible thing of spitting when he was singing. All right, and he would just spit into these tissues, and he wouldn't put them in the bin. It would just drop them around around him. It was just horrible. It was horrible, and I always just thought, yeah, you, you, yeah, that that's my my diva moment. Okay. Most surprising place you've heard your music? Oh, okay. Um, um, uh, <laughs> uh, not me. Can I quote my daughter who liked going to the beach things in. Um, not Ibiza where was it Oh, I I can't remember One one of the Greek places and she there was a bar a club that opened up a beach club that opened up in the afternoon and his signature thing he started the afternoon with moments in love and she she would um she she texted me she thought that was pretty cool and it was the last place
2: the chill out portion of the day yeah huh? chill out portion of the day
1: yeah 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 and I, I suppose I think that that's the oddest place that it, it it's been reported if you like I I can't think of anything. I've I've done obviously you know kind of you can be wandering through it, it, next or gap in, in their days and it would be coming out of the awful speakers in the ceiling that that was always a funny one mm. so,
2: if you hear one of the songs you're involved with on the radio do you turn it up do you just let it play in the background or do you just switch it
1: off I, I, I just let it depends who I'm with <laughs> <laughs> if you're on your own I uh, don't take any notice of it okay it's Ex- for when in America. There is something about American radio stations, probably not so much now because it's all DAB. Yeah. Uh, but in the days of, of FM broadcasts, I have to say, one of the biggest thrills was driving down Sunset and, right. and, and, and hearing, uh, hearing, hearing yes, 90125. Right. That was, that was pretty goddamn cool. I, and I did crank it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Got to have not you.
1: Uh, it's, it, the FM radio stations in America make your records. I don't know what they do. They make your records sound jump out of the radio. That 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 was a great moment. It, it, it just took me back to oh, what's the band? drive west on sunset? The music went down low. Little feet, yeah. Or oh, Doobie Brothers, one of the two. But yeah, that that was that was a, that was a lovely moment. Dri- driving down sunset, and and an uh, only heart comes on the radio. That's a great right track. That was, Big, that was a pretty cool moment.
2: Uh, the last four questions I always end on. Um, biggest professional disappointment of the 80s? Professional.
1: Oh, OK. I, I, I think working with your heroes is always a bit dangerous. For the most part, it, it's worked out. But there, And I'm not going to name names at this point, but there was a certain musician who I idolised as a kid. And if it wasn't for him and his band, it, would, it was one of the reasons why I wanted to make records. And I, I got I got to work with him and I discovered that he had habits that I didn't enjoy. And it was a real disappointment. It was a real letdown. That's uh,
2: intriguing. Uh, habits as in? Um,
1: what? Drugs. Drugs, okay. Uh, drugs and alcohol. And is it the kind of person you wouldn't have associated that with? I had no idea. I, I didn't give it a thought. But then when I realised that this person spent most of the day not comatose, but bouncing from, you know, off the scales, off the walls to half asleep, then off the, it, it was just, it was just, and that he, he being a party to one of the albums that that I, I had grown up listening to and then to work with him, it was, um, it, was a, it was, I was just disappointed did anything come of it I mean we did it still get ready yeah, yeah they, they had their biggest American hit that was in the 80s yeah so you can put two and two together on that
2: okay, one I will do that thank you um your best professional moment of the 80s a single moment
1: get getting a Grammy
2: that's pretty good yeah that's a good one isn't it yeah.
1: but, but but because I' because I've fallen out with the band okay <laughs> <laughs> For the second time, obviously, The Art Noise. I'm now in Munich and I'm making Through the Barricades, okay? And the Grammys come up and we get the nomination. And I'm going, oh, wacko. Never Mm -hmm. thought I'd ever get a Grammy. And to get it as an artist, it's like, well, this is even more bonkers, but you know, I'll I'll take it. So I thought I was gonna go to LA and go to the Grammys, but because I was uh, falling out with the band, I wasn't invited. Uh, I'm in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So it gets sent to me in a brown box, brown cardboard box um, with, um, what's it, instructions? Um, uh, how How to put it together instructions. It came in kit form. It wasn't even, what? What? Yeah, it was in, in Kip had to put the base together and then to put the horn on top of it and everything, okay. <laughs> did he <didn't> even <laughs> assemble it for you? No, no, it came in kit form with the instruction manual in with Korean, like here. And it, with the instruction manual in Korean or Japanese <laughs> so on one of those like ticker tape pieces of paper. Yeah,
2: oh, that takes a shine off it a little bit, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but to make up for that, bless them, spandau, we did this whole fake. Grammy ceremony in the bar of the of the Munich Hilton. Nice, that's nice. Then you got you got the Spandau Ballet to give you the award. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's and good. we kind of had mock photographers and all that, you know. Exactly. That's good. People.
2: That's a special moment, isn't
1: it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, so you know, some from from what could have been a bit of a sad moment, we turned it into a you Salvaged it, yeah, okay. yeah.
2: The Eternal Jukebox. I have a thing called The Eternal Jukebox where you get to keep three of your songs from the 80s. Everything else gets wiped. (laughs) Three songs that you worked on in the 80s, would you keep for an eternity?
1: Uh, I would keep It Can Happen from 90125. I think that's an amazing piece of work. I would take I Love You, Miss Robot from the Buggles album, and I would take Moments in Love.
3: It can happen to you! It to me. It can happen to you.
2: And finally, uh, your three words to describe your 80s. I wasn't there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or, or was I there? <laughs> I <wasn't> there.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Gary Langan, thank you for your eightiesography.
1: Well, that was a lovely
2: Monday
0: evening.
4: This is the end of the interview. Thank you very much.
2: So thanks very much to Gary for a hugely entertaining interview. we would love to do an audio commentary with him in the future, so hopefully... Uh, we'll set that up if uh, he's interested. Also, thanks to the great drummer and listener Steve Barney for making the introduction. Thanks, Stephen. If you want to get word out to uh, anyone else, feel free. That uh, goes for anybody, actually. Maybe maybe you're an the delivery driver and you do drop-offs at Billy Ocean or, or you're Billy Idol's chiropractor or you live next door to Bobby G of Buck's Fizz. Can you imagine? Now, anyway, all help, as always, gratefully received. Speaking of thanks, have new music that's underneath me as I speak. Rather nice music, quite cinematic. Courtesy of listener Thomas Mulcahy. I hope I've got your name right, Thomas. Please let me know if I haven't. Uh, and you can uh, find out more about his music at thomasmolcahy.bandcamp.com. That's T-O-M-A-S-M-U-L-C-A-H-Y. So thank you to Thomas for a metaphorical sonic kick up the ass which I needed. Hopefully the audio quality has been slightly improved. Um, what else? Oh, I'm also on Instagram now, for what it's worth. My wife said I should go on Instagram, so uh, so go and check that out and follow me, and I will, I will follow you back. Uh, I always have ask guests if they have any cool pictures, and um, it's a good place for them. So at the moment, I haven't got much up there at the moment. Getting the time with everything, yeah. Uh, i got the Carly Simon picture with um, the German guy from Tangerine Dream, going through the lyrics for the German version of Kissing with Confidence. Uh, it's on the Lynn Goldsmith Anatomy of a Song episode. There's the big chair, the big chair, that inspired songs from the big chair, Tears of courtesy of Ian Stanley. It's actually more of a massive sofa, but songs from the massive sofa would have been a really rubbish title for an epic, iconic 80s album. Uh, there's also pictures of um, Petrol Boys in the studio, in 85 recording West End Girls courtesy of producer Stephen Hague, and also the Genesis Bricks the yellow Genesis Bricks from the Genesis 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 album uh, courtesy of music video director Jim Yukich, who has them in his possession it's a cool thing to have so I'll be adding to that as I go along as and when etc again asking for help anybody who's shit hot with Instagram and has any suggestions and I best to use it to promote the podcast please let me know because I'm really shit at that side of it. I really am. Next episode up is a different episode. It's kind of similar in start to the Seeds of Love one I did. Which is like more of a compilation with with some new stuff in it. Uh, but I'll give you a clue to the subject matter now. Hmm. Hmm. And to end this episode, I have an interesting little oddity from Invisible Silence, the album I the art of noise this is called opus 4 catchulators
4: <laughs> no sun does. no sun 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 no sun no more. No sun no new No sun no more. No sun no new sun no more. No sun no new No sun no more. No sun no new No sun no more. No sun no new No sun no more. 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 No sun sun no proper time of day No shade no shade no shade no shine. no no shade no shade no shade no shine. no no shade be No shade be No shade be no no
0: no shade be No shade shade no shade, be no shy, no burn, no shade, be no shade, butter. no shade
4: be no shy, no no shade be no shade, butter no, but, no shade be no shy, no butter
3: no shade, be no shade, butter. no shade be no shy, no butter no shade, be no shade, butter no shade, be no shy, no butter no shade be no shade, buttertter no shade, be but, no shy, no butter, no shade, be no shade,
0: buttertter no shade but no shires, but no shakespeed of shades, but no shakespeed of
4: shiles, but no shakespeed of shades, but no shakespeed of shiles, but no shakespeed of shades,
3: but no shakespeed of shiles, but no shakespeed of shades, but no shakespeed of shiles, but no shakespeed of shades, but no shakespeed of shades, but no shakespeed of shines. November
4: And kids out of the ground Flawless when
0: it all was Well, over, almost
4: Had to find a place to swim
1: Do I believe this? <clears throat> I finally forgot the words
2: Excellent, thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. It's been brilliant. It's been a fantastic chat. Sorry it was the three hours.
1: Okay, I don't know whether it was supposed to be, but I listened to some of yours and they're not kind of as chuckly as how we've been this evening, so...
2: <laughs> no, it's been perfect, so thank you so much for doing it, Gary. Uh, I know. when it's all edited, now.
1: You're, to... you're um, I tell you, the, the one I, I really liked, um, was um, I one maybe I've got dementia or something, I don't know. Um, what's the name from Tears for Fears, the keyboard player? Oh, Ian Stanley, oh, Ian uh, Stanley. Ian Stanley. I, I, that was great to listen to, like
2: that one, it was really funny, really honest.
1: It yeah. is so funny, Ian, yeah, no, I've had. Um, I've had some some great times with him. Um, how, do you, how do you
2: know Ian?
1: How do I know him? Because oh, I did I did a lot of mixes. It, it goes into the nineties, I guess, and probably later. I did a Natalie Brulio track for him. I, oh, did, yeah. I did a couple of other things. I met him because I worked with Chris Hughes, who's somebody else. But you've interviewed Chris. Yeah, I interviewed Chris, you? Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I I you know Chris did a did um a solo album called shift yes right i i i did a few mixes on that for him and then he became god Godfather to my daughter oh wow okay and and so because of chris then i met roland and i met ian and we all became friends and uh and then I ended up uh doing mixes for ian when when he sort of it went to his fizz stopped and it became a producer by himself are you still in contact with them all uh I still speak to Chris. Um Ian I haven't spoken to till he went. That's why it was lovely to listen to your podcast. Yeah. Because I hadn't I hadn't heard Ian's voice or anything since because literally he did he just up he upped down tools and went to Ireland yeah and, and started a family in Ireland and that was the l- last I heard or saw of him until until your podcast
2: yeah I was amazed when like, I even got an email response from him because I knew he, he didn't like talking doesn't do lots of interviews so to actually get him <laughs> to respond I thought getting <laughs> the response saying I don't want to do it would have been
1: brilliant you know what I mean so actually no, him- he's he's lovely Ian I I I, I like the, fit of the fact that he's still bitter that he'd given Chris a chunk a chunk of the yeah, I
2: know, of his- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of thing you don't say do you Say like, yeah no say
1: no, but he, um, it, he, yeah, he, 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 he would moan about it every day, every <laughs> day <laughs> But oh, in a loving, but in a loving way. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It didn't seem bitter. It didn't seem angry.
1: No, I, I, I did, I did have a big long chuckle when he got to that bit. It was like, oh, <laughs> and you're not still going on, are you?
2: We <laughs> think how much money that song's generated. It'd be a fair, oh, I know, I know. I
1: know. Fair, hey, I know. hey, that that. That that's another masterful piece of work. Yeah, and, and he is so right. He he, he complements Chris because I to this day, if anybody said to me, "Oh, we need a shuffle groove," I would go go see Chris Hughes. He is your man. Yeah, he he will get you the best sitting groove, the best, best pocket.
2: Perfect example, isn't it? Rule the world because it's just, oh, huh? we need the song on top of it because it's all yeah. with, that, with that yeah. Name.
4: Come um, sweet slumber, enshroud me in thy purple cloak. Hmm, doesn't even rhyme. Is that my teasmaid? What's a teasmaid?